So this morning, I'm going to be preaching out of John 15, and I want to title my talk, God is Wanting a Fruitful Bride. And so this morning as I preach, as I said, there's two groups of people that I'm going to be speaking into, and I don't know how this is going to go, but let's just see how this, God has got this thing laying on my heart for a few weeks, and um, I'm going to say to you, I think there's going to be a tender word, but I think there's going to be quite a direct word here as well. You heard me just praying that, Lord, put a sword to our hearts. Because God, you know, we, I think the danger for us as Christ followers is we can get caught up in going through church as we know it. And we can also have preachers that tickle our ears and make us feel good about ourselves when actually God is wanting to actually challenge many of us, including myself, in the way that we walk with Him and the way that we live our lives. Otherwise, the danger becomes that the church looks no different to the world. Whilst we are busy going from glory to glory, we want to be a people that will be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, becoming more like Jesus and moving away from what we see in the world. And so those of us who have been visiting for a period of time, I just want to touch on the gathering that's coming up um, at the end of the month. If you've been visiting and you're here for the first time, you're welcome to join us at that. This is a red flag meeting, and I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to say some of us need to cancel our plans to be there. This is the last big one for the year for us with uh, the Josh Jen congregations. This is apostolic input, and so we have the likes of Andrew, maybe one or two other guests that will be ministering to us, and it's a red flag moment. What we mean by that is that this is a meeting that you need to give yourself to. We're going to be praying in elders and deacons as well over that time. And so we want to have one heart, one mind, one purpose, and the call is for you to be there. And so I'm asking that you make every effort to be there, please. All right. So God is wanting a fruitful bride. Let's read from John 15, verses 1 to 8. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. And then verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So this morning, as I bring this word, I I'm wonderfully stirred. I do a lot of riding in and around the Durbanville area, and I've been watching what's been happening with our vineyards. Every year, there's a cutting back of the vines to the most ugly part of the vine, that there's this stump. 
all right? And it really looks bad. But then what happens is you'll ride on, and then there's suddenly another block of vineyards, and suddenly on that block there's a few shoots. Then you move to a further block, and there's more shoots. It's the, the, the vine becomes fuller, and then to the next fourth block, and then you see a very full vine. And it's all done in stages so that obviously at different points they can produce fruit and there's a harvest that will come. And so I just felt for us prophetically, um, I felt like the Lord even before the conference was bringing us to a place where I felt God saying, I'm going to cut back this vine. I'm going to cut back this vine because I want her to become fruitful. And that's what I want to preach into this morning. And um, and that's why I said it's going to be a tender preach, but I think it's also going to be a very straight and direct preach. And um, for some of us, um, you need to hear God speak, because your response is not to me, it's going to be to Him. All right. And so when we look at the, the grapevine, biblically, um, it speaks um, of Israel's fruitfulness in the Old Testament. Throughout the Old Testament, um, Israel is referred to as the vine or compared to. And it's interesting that every single vine will bear many grapes. And the heart of God was that, that the, the nation of Israel would be a nation that would bear fruit for God and would do His work while here on earth. All right? So the heart of God is, is that, that His chosen people already in the Old Testament would bear fruit. Okay? And so... With us moving forward into the things of God and where God is taking us, I'm going to say to you, there is more. God is not wanting you and I to get into a space that we run through the motions, but actually we want to be a continuation of what we see in the Old Testament of us actually bearing fruit and continuing to bear fruit, which ultimately will bring God glory and honor. And I'm going to touch on a few points that will help us in, in this text. So with that... The first thing that I see when I look at this, this text, and those of you making notes, point number one is that Jesus is submitted to the Father. It's interesting that he says, I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. Jesus, as we know him, is God manifested in the form of man who came to dwell on earth, and so therefore he could identify with us in every way. But what Jesus did was he did not usurp his authority he actually, through that text, as I've been processing it, understood his function and his position before the Father and acknowledged God the Father as the one that is over him. And so for me, this becomes a very, very powerful thing that we see in Jesus. He is one who is submitted. He is one who is humble, which was spoken much of last week at the conference. And so from that place... He serves the purposes of God. And, um, and I think for me, uh, what, what then goes on is that I think of the Father as Jesus speaks about the Father being the gardener. The gardener is intrinsically involved in what happens in the garden. How many of you are gardeners here? Just raise your hands. All right. So if you've got green fingers... Because anything I touch just gets killed. I mean, I've weeded grass that I destroy the grass as well as the weeds. And nothing grows there for years. <laughs> All right? But for some of us, we, 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 we are incredibly gifted. And, and I've seen 
that when you cut back in a garden or you trim or you prune, particularly roses, we've got a lady across the road from us, when she cuts back those roses, oh, that thing looks really hectic. But man, in the right season, when it starts to bloom, it's the most beautiful roses that there are. And so here Jesus is speaking about what's actually happening in the church. You see, um, Jesus ultimately is, is the one who submitted to the Father. He is the true vine. You'll see that the branches will flow from him, but the true vine is submitted to the Father, who's the gardener, who's taking care of that which is most precious to him, and that is his church. And so he is intrinsically involved. He is constantly at work. And the reason being for that is he wants us to produce fruit. Your second point that you can make there is that Jesus makes a distinction between two types of pruning. Hold on to your horses, put on your seatbelts. This might be a bumpy ride for some of us as we go into this. But it's interestingly, when we're looking at the, at the fruit here, symbolically, the fruitful branches that he's talking about there, he says that some of these fruitful branches are those people that show themselves to be followers of Jesus. While the unproductive branches, which was quite interesting because Jesus says he cuts off every branch in me. Doesn't mean in Jesus himself. He's not cutting anything off Jesus. What he's doing is he's talking about branches. He is the vine. We are the branches. And he says he's cutting off every branch in me that is unproductive, unfruitful, which actually refers to those people that actually are unsaved. And this is where it gets very intense for us. Um, those that are unsaved could potentially be people that make superficial decisions to follow Jesus. We make a commitment to follow Christ. But then the problem is, we get caught up in the rah-rah-rah, but then there's no evidence of fruit. And then we start living our lives that are contrary to what we see in Scripture and what God actually expects of us. And this is weighty. And the interesting thing there is when you read Scripture is that the Word of God teaches us that God will actually cut those people off and He'll do away with them. And you'll see this, cutting off. This is where branches do not produce any fruit on the trunk and they are cut off from that trunk. Why? Because as I've been studying this, it says because they are worthless and they have the ability to infect the tree. Those of you who are gardeners, you know that when you cut back dead branches, the reason you're cutting it back is because it takes a lot of energy for a plant to feed something that is dead. And actually, that deadness will actually start to infect the rest of the branch and, 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 the, and, and the main trunk, and eventually the whole tree can die. But you know, the gates of Hades will not prevail against the church because God is interested in the church. He is the gardener, and he's got everything under control. He will cut off that which is not producing fruit um, for his purposes. And so, much of the cutting away and the cutting off is so that God can safeguard the tree and its future fruit. So, people who don't bear fruit for God or who try to block the efforts of God's followers will be cut off from his life-giving power. This speaks of judgment. Some of you are sitting here and go, wow, I didn't expect to come to this meeting this morning to hear this. But the problem is we don't talk about judgment. 
We've got this cushy Christianity of, you know, we see Jesus meek and mild and we see cotton wool. If you actually go and you sit down and you think about the price that he paid for you and I on the cross and what he endured, you'll understand that, that this is real and, 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 and actually that Jesus paid a massive price to save you and I from our sins. And he wants us to live free. He wants us to be set free. He doesn't want people to go to hell. And this is the thing, when we look at this, when it talks about a cutting off, there are people here that will say, but is heaven and hell real? I've seen posters going up in our towns. Is heaven and hell real? As a Christ follower, I want to say to you, you need to have a conviction on this. And if you have a conviction, anything contrary to that, I put a question mark on your understanding of being a Christ follower. Because the problem is, when we don't have a conviction of this, it's very easy to take somebody by the hand and say, come, my dear, let me quietly lead you into hell. <laughs> Why? Because what happens is we tolerate sin. We tolerate the sin of our friends and our families. As a church, we've got to be careful that we don't tolerate sin. And we need to realize that when we sit here and we look at our own lives, Lord, I don't want to be tolerating sin. I, I, I certainly don't want to be in a space that one day I hear, away from me, I do not know you. And it's about us getting a reality check on how we're walking with God. And the Bible is very clear. There will be an eternal separation. Please, church, this morning... As hard as this word is, I want to say to people here this morning, there is no second chance once you pass away or Jesus comes to fetch us. You will stand before God and have to give an account of your life. And the Bible is very clear that those who have not called on the name of Jesus will not be saved. And I want to give every person the opportunity to hear the gospel. You see, the problem is the world is sick. It is messed up. There's so much crime. There's so much corruption. There's so much sexual immorality. But the problem with that is we have been dumbed down and numbed down to accepting all of this stuff. And the kingdom of God causes us to be stirred up and to live differently to what we're seeing. And to stand up for stuff and saying, this is what the word of God teaches us and this is what we should be upholding. So there will be a cutting off. And the reality for us as a congregation and the greater congregation is God may cut people away because they just are not going to add to the growth and the purpose of what God wants to do here. But perhaps the gospel coming out here today might stir up people to say, Lord, please let me not be one of those people. Because God doesn't want to see any of us separated or going to hell or being parted away. This is the beauty of the kingdom of God. He's kind and he's merciful so we can hear the good news and we can make the adjustments accordingly and respond. The second part of pruning is a cutting back. So that is a cutting off. The cutting back is the exciting part. Is that God will not leave you as you are. If some of you look at your lives right now and think about just the short time we've walked together. I can't compare to what happened before the 12th of September last year. I've got to ask yourself the question. How has your life been changed since you've walked deeper with Jesus? You see, and that's the heart of God. He will not leave you the same. And so the fruitful branches are often cut back so that they can become more fruitful. And um, with that, um, it promotes growth. 
And that's what God wants. He wants growth in our lives. I can tell you where I've seen growth. I've seen growth with many people coming up, standing up here in front. Some people dancing. Some people singing. We've seen people bring prophetic words. We've seen people praying. We've seen people uh, blessing one another. The, the list just goes on. There's much fruitfulness in individual lives, but also in our corporateness. But what we need to know is that in the cutting back, in our lives personally and in us corporately, that God sometimes will discipline us to strengthen us, to strengthen our character and our faith. And I don't think many of us have ever seen that. The interesting thing is that when God cuts back, like he does with the vineyard, and the vineyard I've seen for the last five years that I've been cycling, is every season the vine is cut back, it's pruned back. Why? So that it can get ready to be fruitful for the next season. And I want to say to you, church, we need to start living in that space where we've got to ask the questions, God, what is it that you need to cut back in my life so that I can become more fruitful? What have I allowed in my life that needs to be cut away, cast off, and then the areas where I, I need to be more fruitful, God, would you come and trim that back so that I can be fruitful? Why? Because ultimately it's for his glory and his honor. When last have we prayed that prayer, Lord, will you make me more fruitful? When last have we prayed that prayer, Lord, will you cut back in my life so that I can become more fruitful? The thing is about cutting back, it is painful. It is painful. Be careful when you pray this prayer. I'm stirring us up because for many of us, we'll often stand and we'll respond. And then what happens is, Oh, dear Lord, I wasn't expecting this journey to get so difficult. But it's in those places that God actually starts to strengthen our faith and build our character because that's how we start to reflect Christ. Is this making sense? When, it, when I say it becomes painful, sometimes... The painfulness and the costliness of following Jesus means that we've got to do things that are sacrificial. A simple thing of which one would be the gathering that we've got coming up. Make every effort to be there. Why? Because we're walking together in unity. God has got something to say. God does something in our midst. We're positioning ourselves so that God can do something in us and he can build us individually, corporately, and the greater body in this, in this uh, town and the, the city, this nation and nations of the world. Sometimes it's got to be, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, this is hard. I've got to make a sacrifice. I want to step into what you're asking of me. And sometimes it's in those moments that he's cutting back areas in our lives because we are to live for him, not for ourselves. Please don't misunderstand what I'm not saying. I'm not saying don't have time off. I'm not saying don't take time away. But there are key moments that we need to give ourselves to the things of God. The interesting thing with the cutting back, and I touched on it as I started with that, is that we need to reproduce new fruit on a regular basis, season after season. That is the purpose of cutting back on the vines. And as a church, I want to say to you, we've had Cephas from Zambia preaching to our context. Do you remember what he preached on? We need to reproduce after ourselves. I want to challenge something here this morning. How are you doing today 
in reproducing. How many of us, if you look at a, 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 a bunch of grapes, what that bunch of grapes should be representing is that there should be ones and twos and threes and fours possibly coming into our context because of you reaching out and reaching out to those that are lost and broken outside of your context. And so this, this becomes important. How are you reproducing in aspects of your character and nature and areas of your life that you know that, that I haven't mentioned yet? What is being reproduced and is it starting to reflect more and more of what we see in the Bible? So with that, point number three. If you want to be fruitful, you need to remain in Jesus. I mentioned to you earlier on, if you consider the vine, then you look at the branches you and I are the branches that are attached to that main vine. The main vine is healthy. Why? Because it's Jesus. The branches that are attached into Jesus, those that come in as Christ followers who accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, the main branch is healthy. You tapped into the main branch. And so if we're walking closely with it, with him, we should be fruitful. So with that, you need to see as well that if you want to be effective for the kingdom of God, you cannot rely on doing things in your own strength. I want to kill this myth that you think you can do Christianity without the local church. It's God has designed the local church as the vehicle that we as saints actually uh, tap into. And it's out of that place that we walk out our journey with God, serving His purposes, being equipped and then when you leave this place, you need to go and do the work of the ministry and produce fruit in keeping with what we see in the Bible. We need Jesus to do this journey. You cannot operate in your own strength. And as you, as you give yourself to him, your life will start to count. Jesus will give you significance and purpose as you surrender and are tapped into him. The more we push into Jesus through prayer, praise, reading his word, and hanging with God's people, the more we will experience growth. I love, there was a, I haven't got this in my notes, there was something that Andrew shared last week. He said, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens another. What was interesting is that often we think, oh, you know, Roger's just going to sharpen me. But what was interesting, when you sharpen something, when you sharpen steel, there's a lot of sparks that fly. There's hardship to get that to the point. And, and there's heat. And so sometimes God puts us in a space that there are going to be sparks. There's going to be heat. There's going to be challenges. Why? Because it's in that place that he's dealing with our character and our nature. And it's out of that place that we will become fruitful for his purposes. And that's why God calls us into, into, into a body. That's why God calls us to be a part of a local church and to be a part of the greater body. And, and I have just, if I look at my own life, I often say, if it wasn't for the local church, I wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for people caring for us, praying for us, encouraging us, we're just normal saints. I just have a function as an elder leading it, but I'm a normal saint. I'm a sheep just like you. And actually... I need you. And actually, you need me. We need one another. Look to the person on your left and right and say, I need you. 
Okay. So areas that we can observe fruitfulness in the local church. Proverbs 11.30 says, He who wins souls is wise. The first area that we can be fruitful, and I've touched on it already, is that actually through our lives, I've got to ask the question, how many others are being exposed to the local church and having the opportunity to respond to the gospel? Church, if we are honest with ourselves, our world is so messed up. I don't have to say much more than that. But look at the empty chairs that we've got around us. They are family that are not here today. But what about the people that we know, our neighbors, our friends, our colleagues, and so on? If you each one had to take five people in this next week and reach out to them and send them a personal invite and say, man, you know what? I just really want to invite you to come and be a part of what we're doing. We're not here to put a show on for you on a Sunday. We're here to preach the gospel. We're here to bring the truth, the word of God, to equip us as saints so that when we go out, we can do the work of the ministry so that people can have the opportunity to respond to Jesus so that if something were to happen to them, they would have eternal life. This is the reality of what we're dealing with here. So we need to be winners of souls. The other area that we can see is that we, need, um, we can see fruit in prayers that are answered. It's interesting, in, in John 15, verses 7, it says here, it says, um, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. I love it. I don't know where, oh, yes, Kanya, yeah. Listen, guys, anybody need prayer after the meeting? Please come to Kanya and let many of the saints get around you because when she prays, God answers. God, when, when we remain in Jesus, part of our fruitfulness is the answered prayers of the saints. And it's not just singling out one person, but that is available to every single one of us. If you remain in the vine, one of the evidences of God's grace and power that is on us is answered prayers. We sang it this morning. We sang it this morning. Delight yourself in the Lord. Psalm 37 says, if you delight yourself in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. We're not a prosperity preaching church, but one thing I do see in the Bible is that the Bible says that God cares for you and He loves you. So why would He not answer your prayer? Just don't ask for a Porsche and let alone a yellow one, all right? Because everybody can see it. Nothing wrong with Porsches. The point is this. Part of our fruitfulness is answered prayers. Another one in verses 11 and 12, there are two things there, that we should be experiencing joy and we experience love. Listen to what verses 11 says. Um, here we go. I've told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. So beautiful. Four areas of fruitfulness, winners of souls. The next thing that we want to see is answered prayers. As a Christian, you should be filled with joy. You should be the happiest people on the planet. Don't suck lemons. And then say your name. <laughs> All right? And then the other thing is, it says that we have love for one another. I want to tell you something. If it wasn't for Jesus, I wouldn't love you. I'm sorry. Honestly. If it wasn't for Jesus, I wouldn't love you. But thank Jesus that he's got to teach me to love some of you. <laughs> and many of you are having to be taught to love me. <laughs> but that's beautiful, isn't it? And that's what the church should look like. People should see this. 
this must be a place. I mean, part of our fruitfulness is extravagant worship. But we, 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 we're excited about people getting saved and people making recommitments and, and, and people's prayers being answered. And, and man, you got a problem? Okay, let's pray. Because you know what? We serve a big God. The world at the moment is trying to rely on business and governments and everything else to try and make things happen. We live under a different scale of economy. We live with the most high God and we are his children and he cares about us. Let's embrace what we see in scripture and let's start to see the testimony start flowing as people share oh, how God has rescued me with business or given us a job or finances have come through, helped my children, set me free from drugs, whatever the story might be. We need to be seeing these testimonies coming out. The next thing is that we'd also see the fruit of the Spirit. Let's see what Galatians 5, to 24 says. But the fruit of the Spirit is, let's say it with me, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And interestingly, it says, against such things there is no law. And so with me, when I look at that, I want to say to you, this is a fruit that you should be seeing in your life in greater measures, and we should be growing in these things. If you look at what you were like previously before you got saved, when you get saved, hopefully you should start seeing more and more of, of that in your life. Let's see what 2 Peter 1 verses 5 to 9 says. Who through faith are shielded, that says 1 Peter 1, 2 Peter 1. 2 Peter 1, if you can. Otherwise, I'll read it. If I put it wrong there, I apologize. See how God's changed me. I said sorry quickly. <laughs> All right, I'll read it. Oh, there we go. Thank you very much. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Just say make every effort. Doesn't that mean that you've got to do something? Okay? Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. So verse 8 and 9. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective, and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. So here you see what God is actually wanting from us. All these areas that we need to be growing in and becoming fruitful in. So with that, you'll also see other areas of fruitfulness is that we'll see the manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Whilst you and I can't manifest anything unless the Holy Spirit empowers us, what we do want to see more and more of, of, of the growth in the life of the church is that we would see the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We would see the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gifts where we speak in, in, in tongues and prophecy. There's faith gifts, there's power gifts that God uses in the life of the church. And we as Christ followers need to be growing in all of these areas. And just think about it. If each one of us grew in the areas that God called us to, what would it look like collectively and corporately? What would God do in us and through us in our togetherness? 
So much of our fruit will actually bring us to a place that there will be evidence of change in our lives. There'll be change in character. There'll be a change in our nature. And we will reflect more and more of Jesus. And actually, sin will more and more be diminished in our lives. Another fruit is the fruit of repentance, which came out in our prayer meeting. Matthew 3, verse 8, John says to those that were following, he says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And so we need to be quick to change our minds, come back to the things of God, and we need to be quick to make right. So, to become more fruitful in Jesus, for those of you who are not yet saved, this is going to be important for you. And I'm just going to read the points and I'll give you the scriptures. It says, remain in Christ and acknowledge him as God's son. Those of you making notes, 1 John 4, 15. You need to, you need to be remaining in, remaining in Christ by acknowledging him as God's son. You need to receive him as your Lord and Savior. You need to do what God says. And you need to continue believing the good news and then very importantly, you need to be walking in community. As I start to land, our chief goal ultimately at the end, in verse 8 it says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. I want to ask the question this morning, how many of you want to glorify God? How many of us want to please Him? And that's the heart of God, that if you want to honor him, you need to know that our fruitfulness will bring him glory. God is the only one who allows growth, but when we participate with him, there's growth that automatically starts to happen in our lives. It's interesting that when we look at our fruitfulness, have you ever noticed that an apple tree, when it produces fruit, that it eats its own apples? I'm going to make sure you're with me. Have any of you seen an apple tree eat its own apples? What, who eats the apples? We do. So the fruitfulness that God produces in us, is it for you or is it for someone else? The fruitfulness, is it for you or for the person sitting in front of you, to your left, to your right, and behind you? That's incredible. And for some of you, the lie that you will not amount to anything, not count for anything, it's from the pit of hell. Today, I'm saying to you that Jesus is setting you into a place. He's saying, I will give you a life of significance. I will give you a life of purpose if you remain in me. And some of you need to actually step in to be a part of me so that the fruitfulness can come. And then God will give your life significance and purpose using the gifts, talents, abilities, and resources to make your life count so that the kingdom of God can advance. The fruit that he gives you is for the benefit of others. Can I say that as you serve God faithfully, you will naturally become the beneficiary of the overflow of how you grow and the fruits that go out. You just enjoy that same privilege with him. Is that helpful? And lastly, verse 16, it says, you are chosen by God for a purpose. And as you sit here this morning, you know, for me, once again today, you just had the privilege of just hearing the good news of Jesus. 
and that you've been handpicked. You've been chosen for this moment. You know, your coming to this meeting today wasn't just your choice. Actually, it's God-ordained. With knowledge comes greater responsibility. What are we going to do with what we've heard? Because if we go away from here today, and you haven't done anything with what you've heard, it's just been a good talk for you, perhaps. But actually, we need to produce something from this so that the kingdom of God can advance. God has called you, sir, ma'am, young people, to do a work. Some of you have been used to church life where the pastor speaks up front, you've heard a good message, paid your money, had some tea and coffee, and you go home. No, no. Let me say to you, today, God is saying to you, when you leave this place, I've got work for you to do. Will you please run onto the playing field and be obedient and serve my purposes? That's the heart of God. And so as we, as we do this, he will transform us more and more into the likeness of Jesus. And some of us here today are going to have to make some big key decisions in how we're walking with God. I've got two groups of people that I want to land with today. I think for some of us here today, we've had to come to a place where we need to actually humble ourselves. And we've got to ask ourselves this question. This question is, do I want to be more fruitful and do I really want to honor and glorify God? I want you to think about this because this is a response for those of you that are saved. All right? Because I want to say to you that God is busy cutting back the vineyard because he wants you to be fruitful. I want people to be aware. When you say today, yes, Lord, I want to be fruitful for you, are you ready for him to actually get stuck into areas of your life that need to be dealt with? so that you can become more fruitful. So I want to leave that with you, just to ponder for a moment. But then there's a group of people here, perhaps, that you have come to this meeting and you've been to a few meetings where you've heard about Jesus. I want to say to you, coming to a Sunday meeting doesn't make you a Christian. That's how the world understands it. If you go to church, you're a Christian. It's a very westernized thing. But how do you become a Christian is what I said earlier on. You need to acknowledge that Jesus is God's son. That's what the Bible teaches us. Then you need to acknowledge, actually, that I'm messed up and I need a savior. And there's only one person who can save me, and that's Jesus. And Jesus, when he saves you, makes you right with his heavenly father, the gardener, all right? And that should anything happen to you, you will go and spend eternity with him. And that second group of people, I want to give you the opportunity today to say, Listen, ants, I'm not yet saved, but I want to I be saved because I've seen actually there's going to come a time where God is going to separate people, and I don't want to be a part of that. This is not a manipulation. This is a reality, and I want to give people the opportunity. We're not sentimental around stuff like this. This is life and death. Satan wants you for his purposes. Jesus wants you to be one for his purposes, and this is the moment of opportunity for you to respond. So with that, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. That second group of people, is there anybody here this morning that has not made a personal commitment to Jesus but would like to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior? just want you to raise your hands because we want to pray with you. Is there anybody here who has not made a personal commitment to Jesus? Okay, we don't have hands, that's fine. If anybody changes their mind afterwards, come and see me. But this morning, for the rest of us,
that are asked the question, how's your fruit? How are you really doing? If you've heard this message this morning and you compare it to what you see in Scripture, how are you really doing from a fruitfulness perspective? Are there areas in your life that you realize that need to be cut away? Maybe this morning for some of us, our lack of fruitfulness is because of sin in our lives. And this morning, you need to repent. So there's going to be two parts to that. The one is, I need to repent because I've been walking contrary to what I see in the Word of God. For some of us, there could be substance abuse. There could be um, pornography. Um, there could be um, issues that I haven't mentioned yet, which you realize, actually, I need to repent of because I don't want to be unproductive for the kingdom of God. I'm going to ask you to take a brave decision and to stand where you are and to repent. If you need to repent this morning, I just want you to stand. I'm going to pray with folk. Thank you, Matt. It's one of the big challenges that I, I feel God wants to break over this body is the embarrassment that people have to say, man, actually, I need to repent. I want to say to you, if you want to be fruitful in the kingdom of God, you've got to acknowledge these things, and we need to get real with ourselves. Have you got pride? Have you had issues with your leadership in the church? Have you had issues with one another? Have you had issues in the business world with people? Have you operated in a manner that totally goes against what you see in Scripture? Those are the things we need to repent of. Thank you. I believe there's more. People should be running. You don't, want to be, you don't want to be unproductive. You don't want to be put in a space that becomes unhelpful for you guys going forward. I've had to repent this week just being a bit hard with my wife. I won't labor it. So those guys that are standing just want you to pray after me. Lord, this morning, I come before you. You know exactly what, what I've been through, what has happened, what I've done, what I've allowed myself or exposed myself to. And this morning, I choose, Lord, to follow your ways and to do things your ways. Lord, if you need to be forgiven, I say, Lord, please forgive me. Lord, would you wash over me, wash over my heart and my mind and set me free, Lord. So, Father, I pray for those that have stood this morning, taken a brave decision. They might feel awkward, but actually, Lord, before you, you're the mighty God of heaven and earth, Lord. We want to come clean before you. And I want to pray this morning for them in particular, Lord. They tangibly will see Lord, a cutting away of that which has held them in captivity or bondage. Lord, that which has caused them to be slow in their growth. I want to pray, Father, for an acceleration over their lives as they serve your purposes. And while they are standing, for the rest of us, if they, everybody here says, Hey, man, Ant, I want to be fruitful. I want to be fruitful for the kingdom of God. And I want you to stand because I'm going to pray for us. I'm standing. Father, this morning, as a church, we stand here before you. We see around us, Lord, 
vineyards that have been pruned, vines that have been cut away, branches that have been cut away, put on the side. But this morning, Lord, we stand before you as a people and we say, Lord, as a church, will you come and, Lord, prune back us as a body so that we can become more fruitful for you. Lord, would you cut away that which is slowing our growth? Lord, would you cut away that which is possibly sin, maybe stuff we haven't even acknowledged this morning? Will you cut it away, Lord? Cut it, cut it off. Prune it back, Lord, and allow us this morning, Lord, as a church, to become fruitful. Lord, fruitful in our, in our own personal walks with you as individuals, as married couples, as families. Lord, fruitful in us as a church congregation, Lord, serving your purposes. And Lord, we're trusting, Lord, that as we, as we call out to you, Lord, that we, that we will see growth in all areas of our lives. Lord, extravagant worship, prayer lives being answered. Lord, that we'll be a people that are filled with joy and with love. Lord, that we will be a people that truly show ourselves to be your disciples because of what you're doing in us and through us. Lord, that we will grow with wisdom, knowledge, and stature. Lord, that we will be able to, uh, without being equipped, tell people about Jesus and be able to give an account of what we see in the Word. Lord, today we ask that we can be different, Lord. Different. And Lord, with that, we ask that you would bring numerical growth to us as a congregation. Father, bring us the lost. Give us the broken. And Lord, let there be evidence of your grace upon the lost and the broken as they come in. Lord, that they would be healed, restored, grafted into the vine. And Lord, in their lives produce much fruit. And so we call out to you this morning, God. Lord, please, would you come and make us a fruitful, fruitful vineyard. You are the gardener. Lord, today and as we go from this place, will you come and tend to our lives, Lord? Deal with us accordingly, Lord. And Lord, as you do this, let us not become surprised, disheartened, or discouraged in any way, but rather be reminded, actually, God, you do not want to leave us the same. So we welcome you, Lord, to come and do what you need to do. We pray this, Lord, in your precious name. And all God's people said,